You're listening to Everyday Enlightenment. I'm your host, Trisha Martin-Owen, and today we're going to be exploring equanimity. What is it? How do we apply it in our lives? And why does it even matter? Welcome. So I'm going to start off saying that equanimity is one of those words that are very far away feeling, meaning they're not part of our everyday language and vocabulary, but they creep up and they have deep meaning if not understood correctly. And in its essence, equanimity means peace. But how it's used most often is how do we show up in the world? So so showing up with a sense of equanimity or viewing something happening with equanimity or holding the space for a person or situation with equanimity. So you can see the usage of the word is more along the lines of a blend of peace and compassion and love. And I've actually heard equanimity being described as literally how we contribute to the world because we don't contribute to the world through our fear but rather we do it through our steadiness and our love so having a sense of equanimity or allowing equanimity to arise and show up in your life is more about mindfulness and consciousness and when I say mindfulness I mean it in the The actual term where you are pausing, perhaps, and noticing and choosing love, integrity, truth, laughter, play, anything that brings you excitement or happiness also brings equanimity because those are major components of peace as well. Equanimity's main job, or the best way that we can allow it to show up in our lives, is in the presence of suffering. And none of us are immune to suffering. And as I've talked about before, suffering isn't necessarily a bad thing, because what it does is it cultivates and helps us remember and relearn and reconnect get back in touch with who we really are. Suffering definitely is never the end of the story, but rather it's always used to develop the great heart of compassion. Well, maybe not always, but that's the intention of it within the human's life. Now, how it's viewed or how it is dealt with plays a major component, yet If we employ some mindfulness tactics, if we learn to step back from the intensity of the drama in front of us, and even every now and then just take a semi-bird's eye view of what's going on while reconnecting with your heart. In theory, this sounds great, right? But what happens when the rubber meets the road? When you're in a situation where there is suffering happening around you, 
And equanimity asks the question, what is our response to suffering around us? Whether it's on a global scale, a community scale, a relational scale, right within our own homes. How do we reach out or extend equanimity ourselves? And just being really honest with yourself here, no judgment, approach suffering with an eye for an eye mentality, maybe with forgiveness, maybe when you see suffering around you, this reminds you of your compassion practice, or maybe it's about paradigm shifting the way that you view suffering Because all acts of violence, all acts of hate, are all deeply rooted in fear, which is pretty hard to hold in your body. It's it's suffering. Perhaps by viewing suffering within us and outside of us, This is in conjunction with our self-compassion practice. It also helps cultivate love, courage, generosity, clarity, gratitude. But it's hard not to take something personal, especially if it's seemingly directed at us. It's hard when you're in a situation or in a place where it does hurt your feelings, or it does affect you deeply. So how do we hold equanimity in those situations? First, it's a practice. It's a lifelong practice. And it's a hard one. Because you know what's easy? Reacting. Getting angry. Fighting back. Putting out fear into the world. Those are easy. We do it all the time. But what's challenging and so worthwhile is stepping back and reacting differently. When we do that, all we're doing is stopping that flow of hate and fear in the world and replacing it with space, perhaps even love. And that's amazing. That's also how we're elevating the consciousness of the planet. That's also how you as an individual and me as an individual, how we both have the power to deeply affect things beyond our wildest dreams. The roots of suffering are a false sense of separateness. And all conflict is a bid for some kind of intimacy. And it's through learning about ourselves and our needs and our own triggers where we can become more conscious within our relationships and our communities. And we're able to verbalize and or go and get our needs met ourselves because we're aware of them 
instead of reacting, instead of lashing out. And again, this is a practice, so it's not something that can can or necessarily will happen overnight. Yet when we get our needs met by a loved one, when we feel seen and heard and safe, it's a gift. Applying the principles of nonviolence is a great way to begin to cultivate and experience equanimity. And this is how we can really begin to practice it when the rubber meets the road, when we're in those situations where um, we are faced with a really difficult situation or um, we are faced with um, challenges from outside of us or inside of us. We can fall back to these principles of nonviolence where the main tenant is to stop violence. And of course, this is going to look very different in every situation because violence comes in many forms from our thoughts. We can have attack violent thoughts to words to the physical. And since each experience is its very own little nucleus of um, an occurrence, um, this principle of nonviolence will also have its own flavor and its own way of being applied. I think a lot of times nonviolence can be confused with some old biblical teachings of turning the other cheek, which just isn't true. All that does is creating more victimization and the power over that certain establishments are seeking to use as a way to hold power over others. And nonviolence is very different from that because it doesn't necessarily mean that there's no such thing as violence. But the core tenet of nonviolence is not allowing another or the self to do harm to those around us. Not allowing harm to happen. It's it's really basic. So for example, in practicing nonviolence, say someone was running after you and was going to attack you. You would not allow them to do this. You would run. You would fight back. You would do any combination of things to stop the attack. That's a really hardcore example, but it's the same when someone is verbally spewing hate or attack or or even subtly talking about things that make you uncomfortable. It's that feeling of being uncomfortable and that feeling in your body where you know that this isn't right and you don't, you don't want to be a part of it. That is the call for you to speak to and lay boundaries and practice nonviolence which is the basis of equanimity. 
So in order to be a peaceful presence within the world, within your home, within your family, it takes a lot of courage because it takes a lot of truth and realness. But doing it in a way from the heart that's loving. So often many of us have been conditioned from an early age where there's this tone of voice that sounds a little bit like, if you don't do this, you know, something bad's going to happen. And we use it with each other, with our children, um, with our partners, um, teachers. It's a, it's a real common way of kind of the or else dot, 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 if you don't do this or else. But there's another way to speak to our truth. And there's another way to speak to what is very real for us. And it doesn't have to be layered with um, or dripping. <laughs> that's, that's the image that I get dripping with this a little bit of shame or tinged with the, with the, um, with violence. <laughs> That's what the, or else dot, dot, dot kind of thing can feel like. So as you can see, there's a lot of layers to practicing equanimity and to recognizing equanimity. And the most important place to start with is yourself and first, knowing what your truth is. Second, knowing that how to state your truth and that it's okay to state your truth. And there doesn't need to be big explanation. There doesn't need to be a lot of um, coddling or codependency, but just stating what's real. And when you drop into your heart, and you do this from a place of realness, solidarity, and that place right in the middle of your heart. You will speak your truth from your heart. And a lot of information can be gleaned from these moments when you state your truth, when another person uh, reacts in a way that may or may not be the most savory. It's information. And again, it's easy to react to the reaction. <laughs> and it's easy to assume that you know what the reaction is going to be, but you don't. You might be right, <laughs> but in reality, we don't know what another's reaction is actually going to be. Um, and when we assume we do, we never give that person the chance to change or to be who they truly are, which is love. And yet after enough chances of speaking your truth and giving this situation the chance to change and grow, and it doesn't, again, the practice of nonviolence and equanimity comes in where we need to take action in however that may be, whether it's uh, stepping back from the relationship, um, finding a new community, um, just making changes, but not allowing the same 
harmful and violent behavior, actions, words, or thoughts to continue. And that's why in a lot of spiritual traditions you hear um, teachers talking about the wisdom of the body. Your heart is the first to know. And your heart is what sends the signal to your brain, which then sends the signal to your body. And a lot of the times we have, in Western culture, we've gotten really good at totally denying the heart and ignoring the brain. But the body, it's harder to ignore because even if we sever ourselves at the neck and we are fully in our heads all the time, the body will suffer in other ways, most likely, whether through pain or uh, weight gain or chronic illnesses or other types of things. The less that we um, are connected to our bodies, the more the pain and the suffering that we all experience in this life and go through is stored in the body instead of moved through the body. I think it's safe to say that no one really enjoys suffering in the truest sense and our internal hell and um, all these things that we hold inside of us. It's not something that we... (laughs) We, we want, yet we get used to it. And so then we live with it. And yet it's these exact experiences that bring out real anger and bring out um, true hurt and hate and fear and all these um, very difficult um, emotions that... The true heart of compassion is being exercised. Your heart is no different from your mind. When you're practicing mindfulness and you're learning how to create new neural pathways and to choose differently, your heart, the more that we have challenges and suffering in our lives, the more it's able to build its own muscle of compassion and be there in a space of equanimity. Jack Kornfield likes to talk about how that only to the extent that someone exposes themselves to annihilation over and over will the clarity and truth of equanimity be revealed. And it's true when you've been through, when you've been through the trenches, when you've been through some hard stuff and who hasn't, you are more easily able to recognize someone, someone in their suffering because you've been there. You're more ably, able, you're more easily able to empathize, have that empathy and put yourself in their shoes. Perhaps as an empath, you're able to actually feel what they're experiencing. And if this is the case, 
you anchor yourself into your own heart of compassion and loving kindness. And by just doing that within yourself, making sure that you are holding love and compassion within your own heart center while this other person is deeply suffering, you are in fact offering a huge gift and giving that person the chance to release that suffering and energy. The trick here is not taking on their suffering, which a lot of empaths tend to do, and then they want to hold themselves up for weeks afterwards. Um, Oh, wait, maybe I'm just talking about myself, but... (laughs) Um, Yes, but it's about cultivating that sense of compassion and loving kindness within yourself so that others can then um, even subconsciously be inspired by that and healed. We covered a lot of ground today about equanimity. We talked about what it is, how it's based in nonviolence, how to cultivate it in our own lives. We examined what our response to suffering around us is and what the actual roots of suffering are, a false sense of separateness. When we can tap into unity consciousness as a way of understanding each other more and more, we are, in fact, healing. That's what empathy is. It's understanding that we are not separate. And it's one of human beings' most powerful traits. As we move forward in our practice of equanimity, let's remember to laugh more often and to keep in mind that we aren't contributing to the world through our fear at all, but through our steadiness and love. Thank you for letting me be on your path today and listening to this podcast. If you have any questions, I love answering them. Please feel free to message me at my website, trishamartinowen.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I really appreciate your comments on iTunes. It helps others find these teachings much more easily. I so appreciate you. Thank you again. Namaste.